Well, good evening, everybody. We're so glad that you came out, and uh, uh, we pray that you're having a good week, and uh, it's a special week for a, a lot of uh, folks, and uh, it still doesn't take away the busyness of, this, of the time or season or the week or, or, or any of those things, but um, I hope that we can take this time and settle our hearts and focus on what Maundy Thursday uh, means and what it uh, what it represents and what it um, points us to remember uh, the next couple days. And uh, so, if you've had a rough week or if you've had a lot going on, let's just uh, I pray that you can quiet your heart for just this time. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to hear God's word. Uh, we're going to take communion in a little bit, but um, let's just take this time and just glorify Him through singing and. Um, Maybe if you don't even want to sing, you just want to listen and quietly contemplate what this time means to you, that'd be okay too. I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me snow. 
he washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. is our Maundy Thursday service. It's a weird word, right? Maundy? What does that even mean? Um, it, it's actually a word that comes from the Latin, uh, and it means command, and it, it's, a, it's a shorthand way to refer back to Jesus's command for us to love as he loves. That's a, a pretty novel concept, I think, to love as Jesus loves. It was the, the night before the crucifixion that Jesus gave this command. A Thursday night, much like tonight, his disciples gathered together, much like we're gathered here tonight. Uh, a, a time for what we often refer to as the Last Supper, the last time that Jesus and the disciples would be together before the cross. And a lot of stuff happened and was said that night. Uh, one of those things is, uh, Jesus instituted the sacrament of communion, which we will uh, share in together later on this evening. And, and as we progress in the night, it's going to get darker and darker in here. Uh, and so if you want to sort of get your, your elements ready, you can. Not all the way, because or else you'll be holding on to an empty cup for a while. But if you, uh, you know, want to get the, the bread part kind of partially peeled, uh, that might be a good thing to do. So... Uh, Jesus instituted this time communion, but before that happened, there's something else very significant that happened that night, and we're going to read about that. That's John chapter 13, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, 
took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Again, this was Jesus and the disciples' last time together, and, and Jesus begins this time by washing the disciples' feet. Uh, and, and there's something that's always seemed significant to me as Jesus washed the feet, and it's just the fact that he, he didn't skip anybody. Because you've got to remember, in that group of disciples, Peter was there. Uh, and Peter, the next few hours for him is going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. And in one moment, he was going to be so zealous and passionate for Jesus that he pulls out his sword, ready to fight the guards that came to arrest him. And then just a short time after that, he was going to crash so hard that when a little girl comes and asks him about Jesus, he's afraid to admit he knows him. And Jesus knew all this was going to take place. And when he got to Peter, he didn't say, sorry, Peter, I can't wash your feet tonight, but here you go, wash your own. But not only is Peter present there at the meal, so is Judas the one who betrays Jesus with a kiss. Yet Jesus washes Judas' feet. See, Jesus did not skip anyone when he went around the table washing the feet, and to me that always stands out as pretty significant. Uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, these Maundy Thursday services, uh, a lot of churches incorporate a foot washing component into their, their service. And if you've ever participated in one of those, you, you know it can be a little bit awkward washing somebody else's feet. Uh, the thing is, at, at church, it's usually a, a friend or a fellow church member. But imagine instead of a friend whose feet you were washing or who were washing your feet, it was that guy that cut you off in traffic on the way here tonight. Imagine if it was that person that owes you, I mean, really owes you. Maybe it's money, maybe it's gratitude, but they really owe you. You've done so much for them, and in return, all you get is betrayal and looks of suspicion. Imagine it's that person that you don't even want to be in the same room as them, let alone close enough to know the color and the texture of the lint and the crud between their toes. The, the thought of loving those people, uh, of serving them, it, it feels a little bit uncomfortable. And, and to do so takes real and true humility, and, and that's exactly the example that we're called to follow because Jesus didn't skip anyone. And then we also have to remember, uh, as we think about this foot washing, we have to remember verse 3 because verse 3 really doesn't make any sense at all. Again, it says this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up and washed feet. You have to understand those two things don't logically flow. Jesus, knowing exactly how awesome he was, just how much power and authority that he had, and so he washed feet. And then he calls us to follow his example. 
I, I know, uh, speaking for myself, I would much rather follow the example of Jesus we see in the book of Revelation. The conquering Jesus, riding in on a white horse, holding the stars in his hand, a sword coming out of his mouth, cutting down his enemies and making everything right, fighting for truth, justice, and all that is holy. That sounds like more fun. But verse 3 teaches us that even if and even when we find ourselves in a place of power, we must not be tempted to hold on to that power. We must resist the temptation to, to grasp that place of power, the place where we are always right, the place where we insist others submit to us, and instead we must follow the example of Jesus. Jesus who washed the feet of Peter and Judas, knowing exactly who they were, knowing exactly what they would do. Jesus, who looked into eternity and saw you and saw me, and saw the bitterness and saw the shame and saw the anger and saw the unforgiveness and saw the hatred and the addiction and the betrayal and the profound and deep brokenness and said, even though I could exert my power over you, I won't. I'll choose the place of the servant. It's quite a concept, I think, to love others as Christ loved us. And so may we each learn this from the example of Christ on tonight, Monday, Thursday. And may the Lord have mercy on us. After they were done with their, their meal... The book of Mark records, Then they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. Laithai, anashtigai, lakaima, yakirsagi, yakabidiyam. Man, I'm back.
only. This is reading of um, Mark 15, 1 through 20. Okay. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of law, and the whole, oh wait, hold on. Yep. The whole Sinardin made their plans, so they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to the Piliot. Are you the king of Jews? asked the Piliot. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pelia asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply. And Pelia was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barbarus was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pelia to do for what to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of Jews, asked Piliot, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Piliot released Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of Jews, Piliot asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Piliot. They shouted, all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Piliot released Barbarus to, uh, to them. Yeah, Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of Jews! Again and again they struck him on the forehead with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. When they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Thank you.
reading from Luke chapter 22, verses 33 to 49. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, as he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, 
Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and the darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped, the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Uh... 
This reading is from Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of the ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors.
instituted by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, and his sacrificial death. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ for salvation, are invited to participate in the communion supper. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. And so we pray. Holy God, we gather at this your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ who by your spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, 
and establish the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. And we live in the hope of his coming again. And so as we gather in the body, as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these, your gifts. Make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray the Lord's Prayer with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and gave thanks. Broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken for you. Preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. Take and eat. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. Preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you. Take and drink. Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for what you accomplished on the cross. We thank you, Lord, for what you do in our lives. Lord, I pray your spirit continue to be with us in your name. We're going to sing one final song. Um, and after the song, uh, you're free to exit the sanctuary in silence and in contemplation on, of what Christ has done for you.
no gifts, no power. 